Welcome to the Founder to Mentor podcast. My name is Mike Fada. I'm an entrepreneur with multiple nine-figure exits and a passion for health and mentorship. Join me on a journey where I connect with world-class founder mentors to inspire your personal and professional growth. Let's jump into it. Hello, everybody. I'm excited to have this conversation with James Boitcher, founder and CEO of Righteous Delato. Welcome to Founder to Mentor, James. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Can you start us out uh, with an intro on yourself and, and Righteous? Yeah, sure. Uh, my name is James. I'm the Chief Empowerment Officer and Custodian of Culture at Righteous. And uh, Righteous, for those that don't know, is uh, a gelato manufacturer in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. And we sell our delicious treats uh, mostly everywhere in Canada and a little bit in the U.S. now. And uh, uh, we say we um, we happen to make gelato, so really it's just about uh, having a purpose-driven company and, and leaving it better than you found it. Love that. Thanks. Yeah. I want to, you know, the, uh, let's start out there. The, uh, the chief empowerment officer, mm-hmm. um, talk to me about that. Where, where, where did that, where did that come from? What does that mean to you? Yeah. I, I mean, a fun one when I was starting out, I wasn't too serious. I didn't go to business school or any of that kind of stuff. And so really, uh, for me, it was, you know, how do you, how do you spin a job title to have not only some creativity to it, but, you know, be not take yourself too seriously. I mean, we're in the business of, of, uh, quote unquote ice cream or gelato and, uh, you know, being a kid and all those things, I wouldn't want to ever be a CEO. So how do you take those letters and that acronym and have some fun with it? So we, um, we've got a, a, a strong culture at Righteous and really it's about empowering, uh, people to make great decisions. And, and so I guess I'm the, the chief of that. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. It reminds me like it just jumps out like servant leadership kind of all over it. Uh, mm, yeah. Um, what, uh, what got you into the business? Yeah, kind of a, a fun journey. I mean, it starts when I was younger, my grandmother had a catering company, so, uh, I'd be licking egg beaters in the kitchen just off father Lacombe, uh, in Calgary. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, food was always interesting to me. And, um, along my journey, I just sort of found it. So my first job was bagging groceries at Santerra. And then I went to work for planet foods, a great, uh, distributor broker in, in Western Canada. Um, and I was doing freelance design on the side for some small businesses. And one of them happened to be this little gelato shop that could. And, uh, yeah, Lo and behold, after a, a long journey and lots of bumps in the road, uh, when I was 25, I had the opportunity to see if I could make something of this this scoop shop in the frozen tundra of, of Canada. I mean, you guys have grown, um, and we'll talk mm-hmm. more about that, but how did uh, how did you finance the business? Yeah, my first, first deal with the guy that started it was uh, a handshake deal. Uh, I had 1800 bucks in my bank account. He said, uh, you know, you really love this business. Why don't you take a shot at it? And uh, coming from a family with with no, no real access to cash and uh, and only you know uh, what was in my bank account, we did a handshake deal for me to repay uh, an amount for the assets over three years. And so, uh, kind of lucky in the you know the initial stages to take over this this scoop shop with with really no no capital. Um, but uh, we were open for less than five months and. And uh, lots of adversity. There was a fire and, and all kinds of stuff, but found ourselves putting equipment into storage Jan 1, 2010, and not knowing what was next. And um, yeah, it's uh, it started out that way. I still owed a bunch of money. I uh, wasn't sure what I was going to do. And um, so 
was able to to find one customer that was excited a little pizzeria that had five shops in Edmonton and one in Calgary and and uh, they were going to give us a shot and so uh that's that's how it started in terms of financing <laughs> and you guys uh it, it, you guys are manufacturing uh ever since you started or how, how's the uh, how's production of the company? yeah well well people always ask me you know it's like you take over this uh this gelato shop and and you don't really know what you're doing you're 25 and and uh we just happened to manufacture it was you know they there was a machine that made 10 liters at a time and i didn't really know what co-man was or co-packing or any of that stuff and so uh it was like finding out uh, santa wasn't real when i found out you know 90 percent of the grocery store is not made by the person whose name is on the front of the package and um yeah i think one of those lucky things i feel like life uh, has a weird way uh you work hard enough for long enough good things happen and and i think for us to start out not really knowing that there was another option was was really where it started so we uh we used to make 10 liters at a time uh we would do maybe you know 120 liters a day which uh felt like a lot and uh, then we'd add a second uh 10 liter machine and then we'd run two shifts and and uh we operated on those carpigiani machines until we were probably about two and a half million in revenue. It was like seven days a week, 16 hours a day, uh, just making it work. And, um, and then when we moved into our new facility, we added some, some upgrades and automation, but really the, the moral of the story is um, grateful that we manufacture and, and somewhat serendipitous that uh, it just happened to be how we started. And uh, where's the business at now? Yeah, I mean we're uh we're having a lot of fun in Canada. We've uh done a good job obviously starting out in the west. Uh you know, fans of the brand out here really get what we stand for and the quality of the product and and all things uh like B Corp and and quality ingredients and really for us it's uh it's been a long journey to to build Canada. I, I say often it's like you can't you can't build a tree overnight and uh or can't grow a tree overnight. And for us it's um it's been uh a journey to, you know, get the local uh, retailers to carry the product in 2013, 14, you know, 2015, 16, we started to work on, on BC and, and sort of Vancouver. And then it was 18, 19 when we really started to emerge in, in the East. Um, so you can find us in every grocer except uh, currently Costco and Walmart in Canada. And, uh, now we're we're working on our U.S. strategy, so lots of great retailers like New Seasons and Whole Foods on the the sort of the Pacific border, and and uh, lots of interest across the U.S. But we want to be smart about our growth to not get too out in front of our skis kind of idea. So, yeah, I'd love to unpack some of that. I mean, it, you know, it sounds very um, it sounds very uh, smart and logical the approach, like you know, the home market, <laughs> Western Canada. Eastern Canada, uh, and then, you know, attacking just the Northwest and the U S kind of getting outside there, but it's something that a lot of founders struggle with, but you know, just your, mm-hmm. your, your thoughts on how you, um, you know, did, did you have that approach right from day one? Um, how, how, how have you learned about kind of thinking about a regional, uh, expansion approach? Yeah, I think there's two things that I could give like probably the, the political answer around it, but I think at the end of the day, um, how we've built this, this organization and, and sort of everything we do is, is about what feels right. And, um, really 
winning your your home turf so you know for us calgary or alberta um, was a priority we can shake hands with our customers we can meet them where they are um, be very connected serve them well and then you know, BC was just uh, an extension of that, just hop over the mountains or, or a quick flight and make some great friends. We had a lot of no's in the early days uh, from some pretty predominant retailers that we were very successful with now. Um, so I think two parts was, you know, sticking to that strategy, uh, which really at the time wasn't a strategy. It was just sort of how it was happening. Um, but then uh, persevering, because I think that's another thing with with new founders I see is, you know, one no is a hard no, and and to me a no is a not yet, and uh, so you've got to kind of have that approach. I think as we grew towards uh, you know central Canada, so Ontario, and then to the east, the Maritimes, um, it was harder to to be connected with our fans, uh, and we found a way through through social and and different ways of connectivity to be excited. And and every trip I get out there, I love to visit stores and try to convince somebody in the aisle that, you know, maybe righteous is better in their basket than one of the big guys and, uh, and, uh, thank them for their support. But I think, you know, in, in this industry right now, there's the grow fast and sell. And then there's like, uh, a different approach, which is like brick by brick. And so I've said this to you before, but like, I really appreciate your, your messaging and your mentorship of sharing with people like, you know, if you if you take your time and build a really solid business, uh, it'll stand the test of time. And not to say someone that didn't grow fast and exit quick uh, won't be, but I think uh, the cards are in our favor if if we uh, you know take our time and and feel good about what we're doing. So, yeah. Well, yeah. To simplify that, you know, it's about enjoying the journey, right? If you if you love mm-hmm. if you love what you're doing um, as an entrepreneur and you really will do it forever, you're just going to win that way. You know, it may not, Mm -hmm. the time might not be specific because it's different for every, every entrepreneur and every opportunity, but you're going to win if you just, if you enjoy the journey and you keep on like creating excellence. So, uh, yeah, you know, that's, that's shining through. I'd love to, um, you know, you you guys are ice cream. Like how do you handle the seasonality of the business or do you have any recommendation for founders that are in kind of seasonal items uh, that have, made you guys stronger or, or, or enabled the growth? Yeah, I, uh, I just thought of probably two parts to that. One, that probably similar to some earlier messaging, but it's like I don't think I was uh, smart enough or maybe just too ignorant in the early days to realize that was a thing. And so brands that are smaller, when we were small, we didn't really see the seasonality in sort of the orders of magnitude that we might now. Um, one thing I learned pretty early on, I did a, a brief stint at Starbucks right before I, I took over the the gelato shop and um, seeing the marketing and strategy of them around seasonality. So pumpkin spice latte or, or all their Christmas drinks or now lemonades in the summer. Um, by osmosis, I've sort of talked about this before, but it's, it's the idea that if you're open to experiences, you're kind of learning as you go. And uh and so I, I sort of embedded that in, in Righteous pretty early on. So we started doing some fall, winter LTOs or limited time offerings for those that don't know. And then we got into spring, which is really successful for us. So while it might not be the same as the, we call it the 100 days of summer uh, for us in Canada, it helps sort of offset that. And retailers get excited about it. And, you know, you got to be really strategic with your supply chain and, and your sell through. And like, it's, it's not easy. 
uh, it takes a lot of a lot of focus, but um, it helps sort of ride that wave. Uh, I think you know when we shifted away from events and and the cafe and selling to restaurants uh, to CPG or or being in grocers, um, it helped because because people enjoy ice cream or gelato. Hopefully, gelato more than ice cream uh, at their family dinners during the holidays or you know while they're chilling on the couch in January. And so really just making sure that you're building that um, foundation for people to be excited and, and take you home with them, uh, even when it's cold out, is is uh, probably the biggest challenge. So, Yeah, I guess you know, when you're making something high quality, especially ice cream, you know, people are, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just, it's more of the surge maybe uh, in, the, uh, in, in the, that summer season. I'm sure the factory is, yeah. uh, is, is trying to just keep up in the pre-orders and, and then through the order period. Well, the funny thing is, is that people think it gets made in the summer, but it's made sort of right before that. So spring is, is the wild time for us. So between all the trade shows in our industry being during that period and, and, uh, the gelato, gelato factory ramping up, it's, uh, it's a busy time for us right now. So love to hear your, your strategy for, um, innovation. Um, you know, you guys have been, well, and and even a little bit of of products because weren't you, Mm -hmm. was it not, was right just not in glass, uh, at one point, at one point, we were. Uh, we also did like drinking chocolates for a hot minute. Uh, we did these marshmallow kits. Uh, yeah, we tried a few things. <laughs> I, I remember seeing and, and thinking, you know, ice cream's a tough business. Frozen is a tough business. You know, ice cream uh, as part of that. You know, and then ice cream in, in glass containers. You go, oh, that's, that's, a, that's a special. Uh, that's a special super niche. Right yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like I said, maybe dumb dumb enough at certain points that got us to where we are today because there wasn't enough uh, awareness, which I think is actually a bit of a a beautiful thing at times. But um, yeah, the glass was uh, you know it was it was really our our LTOs. We wanted them to be sort of super special, and that was really the the intention around the glass. Um, most people thought the glass would just shatter when you fill it, but because it's already frozen when it's going in, it doesn't. However, if a retailer, whoever's stocking the shelves is, is maybe got slippery gloves, you got, you got a bit of a mess on your hands, unfortunately, same as spaghetti sauce, but freezing, I guess. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's been a fun journey around, uh, trying new things, uh, again, staying afloat during some of those darker times in the early days. Uh, we did these, drinking chocolate shippers and they were beautiful one ton of tons of awards for packaging um you know it was a 12 or 15 dollar ring and so retailers like the dollars there um and they were fun delicious but uh it was maybe like 10 percent of our total business in a year and took 90 percent of our time and energy so put that one to sleep pretty early and then um yeah around other products we really you know we've got a, a unique innovation strategy it starts pretty simply with uh, let's make things that sound and taste delicious. Uh, and then we work back from there on, you know, can we make the unit economics work and all the businessy stuff? But at the end of the day, I think uh, we're super proud that we haven't wavered on the quality of the product and uh, and haven't really, you know, taken any chances on on trying to make it make too much sense on the dollar side. You got to be sustainable as a company, but starting with the the essence of this has to be the best in sort of the flavor we're making or in the category we're serving is really where we start so 
Let's talk about uh, sustainability and uh, environmental uh, stewardship and social responsibility. Um, you're a B Corp, uh, mm-hmm. and you're an award-winning B Corp, best of B Corp. Explain to me kind of what got you into B Corp and and uh, and what you've kind of done, learned um, through through that organization. Yeah, B Corp's pretty special to us. I think you know when we discovered it, it was really. Um, I was reading Yvonne Schwenard's Let My People Go Surfing. And uh, for those that don't know, it's the founder of Patagonia. And um, hearing about B Corp, I was like, hey, this is this is like uh, lead certification for buildings, but for businesses. It's like who we are and what we do. Um, so we did some reading and, and realized that, you know, it made a lot of sense. I think we underestimated how much, uh, work went into the auditing and certification, especially on the, the first round. Cause you kind of start from scratch in terms of their measurements and what they're looking for. Um, so I think that was 2015, 16. And really for us, it was about, you know, we've got a, uh, part of our ethos is, you know, leave the world better than you found it. And so we had, a, we had been investing in things like compostability, recycling. We diverted almost 98% away from our landfill. We recycle all the the water in our facility, all kinds of good stuff that I think for those in manufacturing, it's just uh, common sense in a a lot of ways. Um, So yeah, went through the certification, got our first score, which was 86 and you got to get 80 to, to make the cut. And so we were super proud of that. And then we went through our research in 2018, 19 and, uh, we got 111 and Ben and Jerry's was 110 at the time. So it was like, got them by one. <laughs> so I, uh, I messaged the CEO at the time of Ben and Jerry's on LinkedIn and he replied back with a smiley face. It was, it was a pretty cool moment for the team. Uh, now we're, I think 116 and, and really, um, I think two things for the organization. One is, is ultimately there's a lot of pride around it. Um, you know, we, we love the community, so many, uh, like-minded people doing like-minded things. And, uh, and we also have found that it just drives, um, intelligent decision-making. And so whether it's working with a supplier and our code of conduct, uh, we have an opportunity to evaluate sort of how they operate and, and sometimes provide ideas or advice for them to also be a little bit better. So again, maybe mentoring, uh, mentoring other businesses in a way. Um, and then being in a position where, uh, you know, decisions being made in the organization, uh, automatically have that, um, that way of thinking. And so even when we're deciding on shipping and, and lanes and, and how to get one thing from one place to the next, and, you know, there's ultimately some, uh, financial benefit when you're strategic that way, but it also, um, creates that, that, outcome of of uh hopefully preserving some of the planet in the process and uh yeah i just think you know we say how you do anything is how you do everything and um and so when you do this within your business you ultimately impact and affect change with people in their personal lives and so people have shared you know they didn't know much about this stuff and now they something as simple as knowing what bin to put it in is uh (laughs) is a win you know so yeah no, I love that. And, um, you know, found similar, I, I found kind of internally that B, being a B Corp was like an extension of our quality management system. And you touched on it there, mm-hmm. like, yeah, help people make decisions. Here's what the, here's what the company stands for. Here, here's how mm-hmm. we're going to, here's how we're going to be graded or score ourselves. And, uh, and then when, you know, no one's there 
uh, with oversight or watching, team members can just make uh, make a more informed decision of what's important to uh, to the company. Um, yeah, and then agreed. And then, and then I think over time, for sure, like B Corps. I know there's been some you know maybe negative publicity on some you know, bad actors, but uh, overall, I think the awareness on on social and environmental responsibility being a B Corp is uh, is getting more well known, and and consumers want to vote with their dollars, right? Support companies totally that are doing the right thing. And I think too, it's it's one of those simple things. I think uh, you know, you there's there's a sense of belonging for for the business and and the people within the business. Um, but as people become and as people become more aware of it in in a consumer sense, um, it becomes that like almost that stamp of approval, right? Like like I I know if I see a B Corp logo on a product, I already know so much about who they are. And there's a sense of trust that's that's automatically sort of transcended there. So, yeah, I totally agree. Um, and it and it kind of plays into that stamp of approval of, you know, awards as well. And, and something that uh, you know I'm a big fan of. But uh, I know you're 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 no stranger to uh, to winning awards over your um, over your entrepreneur journey here. Um, what you know, I guess what is that? Uh, um, you know, putting yourself in that out there in that way um, in the first place. Was that normal for you? Uh, did you have to kind of work yourself up there, and then and then maybe talk to us about some of the awards that uh, Righteous has uh, has won? Because I know that we we share a couple in common. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. I think early days it was more so people saying uh, you should you should go for this, or you're the right business for this. So something like uh, emerging brand in Calgary to small business of the year to, um, you know, you and I relate on the EY stuff and, and doing some work there together. Um, generally I think it's been someone tapping us and saying, you should do this. That's put us in a position where we say, okay, this is important. And then I think what comes of that is something like great places to work or things that require sort of recertification or, or reapplying, um, become sort of part of your DNA. So it's like, you know, just re-upping on, on those important things. Um, I think the biggest thing for me when we do those things is again, back to the team and the pride that comes with, you know, winning when we were kids, we used to, you know, compete in all kinds of things. So there was, uh, you know, outdoor sports day or like playing on teams and, uh, and whether it was getting a ribbon or, or a pat on the back for, for excellence, um, the team, you know, enjoys that feeling as adults and we, you know, yeah, I'm sure you get it already, but, you know, we try not to take ourselves too seriously, have a lot of fun. We're great losers. Uh, you know, when we don't win things, we, you know, the team's cheering on whoever's won and, and we think like entrepreneurship, it's like, we all know how uh, hard it is and there's a fallacy that it's like kind of easy or, you know, if you win a couple of awards, people are like, oh, they always win these awards. And it's like, no, like all of it is hard. There's there's no cakewalk in this. And you talked, you know, before about uh, Midday Squares and Jake, but like Forbes 30 under 30 is legit. Like that is, that is unreal. And uh, it takes a lot of work, a lot of courage a lot of leadership to be acknowledged for something like that. And so, you know, kudos to, to those guys for, for uh, winning that. And hopefully Jake can join us on the EY stage one day. Oh yeah. <laughs> I think it's coming for them. Yeah. And for anyone that's listening, doesn't know, yeah, that's Ernst and Young uh, EY does the entrepreneur of the year, uh, which James and I both uh, won uh, a couple of years uh, apart. And then we both had a chance to be on the judging panel together and, and, and offer the award to, uh, to some other great businesses. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just a huge fan of awards and people have, you know, some of the haters have called me out over, over the time say, Oh yeah, you know, Mike putting mm-hmm. in or winning another award or mantle harvest and winning another award. But you're right. Like <laughs> it's, it's a lot of hard work to actually set yourself up to do that. It's so great for the, uh, for the team internally to, uh, to, you know, to mm-hmm. literally have that, uh, the championship ring or the belt or the award to put on the wall. Um, but it's yeah. also, um, it's moments that live in PR and you, you mentioned the start of it, which we, we did the same way, you know, winning our, our, our an award for our city or town, you know, best of mm-hmm. or, or new business. I think that's a lot that's within reach for, for any founder or entrepreneur starting out. Um, and they have to put themselves out there. You know, they, they, uh, mm-hmm. they, they gotta go and, and look for the opportunities to enter the awards. They have to actually enter them and put a nice little application together. And then they gotta be prepared if they win, to, to make a little bit of a story of it. Uh, but that you can't buy advertising like that uh, and awareness for, for your totally. business. And- I think too, like I had said about retailers saying, oh, this is another thing that I see too. It's like, oh yeah, we didn't win that award or like shucks to whoever did. And I'm like, are you going to try again next year? Like, I think again, too often people are one and done on things. Uh, and I mean, EY is a great example. I think I, I got nominated and then there was, I think I was like, I'm not ready for this. So I had this like imposter thing going on for a minute and then, uh, and then got to the finalist stage, didn't win. And then got to the finalist stage and won. And I think, uh, there's, you know, there's a lot to learn. I mean, if anybody's played sports as a kid, it's like learning to lose well is a really important skill and being in a position where you can cheer others on, even though you might be in the race, um, and then not give up. It's like, uh, you know, just, just cause it wasn't two day doesn't mean it's not someday. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. You got to keep on. That's a good, <laughs> that's a perfect example of like, get back up. I think for EY award for me too, it was the third time, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and the first two times of, uh, of, of being a finalist and then, and then not winning, uh, and the third time being at the finalist table and being surprised when they called my name. Cause I was just like, it's all yeah. right. I'm just entering this as part, <laughs> as part of the journey. You know, it's okay if I totally. lose and, uh, and then, you know, like, like anything, you keep at it long enough and, uh, and good things. It's happen. almost sweeter. It's almost sweeter that way. Hey, it's like, you know, like not, not that we want to spend a bunch of time doing things that we get an L on, but, uh, it, it almost is sweeter, I believe. So. Yeah, well, yeah. the timing was more right for me uh, anyway, too. So, you know, things happen uh, for a reason at the right time. Totally. What's the uh, what's the craziest thing that's happened to you uh, at Righteous? Or oh, my Righteous? gosh. <laughs> um, I mean, there's there's a lot. I guess there's like the lessons category or the hardship category or the great things that have happened. Um, one of my, my favorite stories back to like a lot of no's and a yes is uh, Whole Foods um, and UNFI. And, uh, so I was trying so hard to get, get in whole foods. It was like, you know, growing up stocking shelves as a kid, it's like, they're like the Holy grail of, of grocery. Right. And so they've got these stores in Vancouver and we're in at the time, I think we were in mine hearts and a couple other really good sort of smaller retailers. And so trying to get in there and this wonderful human, uh, who's, who, uh, you know, is, is a very special person for those that know him, but Richard Williams, he said, uh, I love it, but you got to be with a distributor and we didn't have a distributor. So I was like, who do you recommend? And he says, UNFI. And I'm like, okay, so look up UNFI, figure out what's going on, get in contact. And I guess at the time, uh, some people that are friends now, uh, that were there at this time said they used to like vote on products, like a democracy, like they'd sit around a table and everybody that worked there would be like, 
uh, maybe we should list this. Like there wasn't really data driving these decisions, which is awesome. Um, but they're like, we don't need another ice cream or like it's winter or like, so I got like four or five no's and I was just like, oh my God, how am I going to crack the code on this? So uh, I, uh, a long story, but a short one, uh, uh, helped bring food trucks to Calgary and we used to do stuff with WestJet. So give us these buddy passes. So I got this pass that is like less, uh, less, sort of status than like the bag guy on another airline. So you're like back of the plane, like might miss 10 flights before you get out. Anyways, I get to get to Vancouver, got some samples. Hopefully they haven't melted yet. End up going to where Whole Foods office is uh, on West fourth and knocking on this door. And I just want to drop off this bag. I'm all nervous. And I'm like, can you just give this to Richard? And the guy's like, I am Richard. <laughs> I'm like, Oh shoot. I wasn't ready for this. <laughs> And so uh ended up giving giving this to Richard. He invited me in and he's like, What's up with UNFI? And I was like, Man, it's like they they won't give me a break. They keep saying no. And he's like, Okay, let me let me talk to them. So Richard was instrumental in in not only our Whole Foods accomplishment, but uh in UNFI and now we're one of the the sort of top performing brands with UNFI. We're number one in the category in Whole Foods Canada. Uh and um yeah, all just perseverance dumb luck a little bit and uh and i have a a picture in my office of of me holding these five pints and sort of where it all comes together is in 2012 before we were ever in grocery i was at a book signing john mackey's there signing conscious capitalism so i get this book signed and and i tell him i got this gelato company purpose-driven gelato company and he says are you on our shelves and i'm like well we don't even make pints yet and so he gets up off his stool and pulls a business card out of his wallet and hands it to me and so I'm like carrying this thing in my wallet, like it's a Wayne Gretzky rookie card. Okay. So this thing's like beat to shit. It's like so, so bad, but I was carrying it cause it was just this energy, you know, like manifestation. And, uh, so I, I sent John an email when we got listed and I CC'd all the people that had sort of played a part in it. And, uh, someone wrote me back from a store. They're like, you can't email John Mackey. He's not going to email you back. And he wrote me back two days later saying, James, I'm so glad your products are on our shelves. Uh, congrats again. And so I have that email framed with this photo and his business card in my office. And so that's a crazy story, I guess. Yeah, that's that's an awesome story. <laughs> that's a totally awesome story. And, and it just goes to show, and it's like another one of those big lessons for entrepreneurs, you got to show up, right? If you don't get on the plane mm-hmm. and go and do it uh, or go to the trade show totally. or get yourself out there, it uh, those moments... Those moments can't line up if you don't uh, don't do that. I agree a hundred percent. What uh, I'd love to. Uh, what does mentorship mean to you? Um, uh, have you had mentors? Like, kind of walk us through mentorship mm-hmm. in your mind. Yeah, I I mean, it's it's a fascinating thing. I think that uh, I mentor some people. I have some mentors, and in both relationships, I think it's it's very much a two way street. So when I'm mentoring somebody, I learn a lot from the questions they ask or or the answers I, I have to give. Um, there's a lot of humility in it. You know, you realize things you don't know that maybe you want to know better. Um, and then I think when I speak to mentors I have, I try to offer up, you know, what I do know or that they're asking about. So, you know, we touched on it earlier, but being a big culture guy and, and really about, you know, building a, a company that at the essence is, you know, build a company you'd want your mom or dad to work for. Um, I have a chance to share those, those lessons and experiences from a, a bit of a, again, that ignorant sort of place with them. So um, I think mentorship is essential, uh, whether you're 
playing sports. Like I, I think early on I said something like, uh, you know, even Tiger Woods has a golf coach. Like there isn't, there isn't being above, uh, learning. And, uh, when you can have a relationship that is, uh, respectful, like I'm sure you get a lot of, I'm sure I did this to you at one time. It's like, Hey, can I have your time for free? Like, and you're like, well, we could chat for a quick minute. Um, but making sure that there's, there's value on both sides of that. Um, for those listening, like (laughs) pet peeve is like, can I pick your brain? It's like, no one's a zombie here. That sounds like really sort of crass, but like, you know, if you have the time and then I think for anyone that's seeking mentorship, like realize that you are, you are dealing with someone's very valuable time. Don't be late. Don't mess it up. I had a hard lesson early on. I was late for a breakfast at six 30 with a guy named Mogan Smed and, uh, it was one and done. He went, I was late. I just met my wife. It's like a crazy story about that too. But uh, um, yeah, being late at that taught me a lot about never wasting other people's time. And uh, Mogens and I connected on a flight a couple of years ago. We had a good laugh about it. But uh, yeah, I'm sure you got a few of those stories. Yeah, no, there's some, there's, that, that's a good good share. And, and for sure, I think the lesson, uh, you know, I, um, I love mentoring, even if it's a, a quick chat, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, um, when I started putting myself out there, it, it uh, over the year, over the last number of years, it, it's become so much that I, I just don't have, I, I couldn't, I couldn't fulfill all the time people are asking for by, by, for sure. by tenfold. But you're right saying like, Hey, can I pick your brain? I, I'm, I'm most interested, uh, I've learned of like helping people that are helping others. And so instead mm-hmm. of saying like, Hey, can you help me? Um, he, he you know, uh, some kind of intro of like, here's what I'm doing to help others. And, uh, and, and like you could boost that, uh, you mm-hmm. know, uh, cause it is a, all mentorship is a, uh, is a two way street. You know, you can't just be on the ask. Um, yeah. if anything, I think being on the give, if you're going to be on one side, just be on the give side and you can't go wrong yeah. on that. Uh, if you're, if you're always on the ask, you're going to have problems. Uh, you got to at least balance the kind of ask and, uh, and give. I think another one you, you sort of touched on, and now I remember the f- the first time I was like, "Hey, can I can I uh, grab your ear, not pick your brain <laughs> for like a quick minute?" It was around manufacturing, and uh, you know we are at a point of expanding our facility, which we still are sort of in this this space. But I knew you were passionate about it. Like I knew you you really gave a shit about it, and so that I think you know you're a kind human, and perhaps that common thread. Uh, allowed for that conversation to happen um, versus like, I don't know, people reaching out. And then the second thing I'll add real quick is uh, another pet peeve is people that ask for advice and then like really don't use it. Like they're, they're just curious about your opinion. And then they're like, nah, it's like, I mean, you don't have to take all the ideas someone shares with you, but I really think like watching somebody repeat mistakes over and over after, you know, you've been like, Hey, we chatted about this and it's going to implode, you know, kind of idea. So, yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's actually one of my uh, no goes or pet peeve. It's kind of like saying, you know, someone wants to get healthy and, uh, and you, and you show them how to go to the gym and, and work out and they don't take any of your advice and, and then they're still complaining about not being healthy. You're like, mm, yeah, okay. You, you, you need some different kind of support that uh, maybe I'm not best to, uh, to help you out with. Yeah. <laughs> don't have that certification. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you, uh, do you have any, um, productivity tools, habits, routines mm-hmm. that, that you believe are integral part of your success that other founders should be thinking about? Yeah, that there's, there's a handful for sure. I think, um, you know, being able to, 
my wife calls me optimized prime. And so it's this idea, Mandy always says, like, I'll take things and find a, a sort of a more efficient way to do it. Um, and so everything from, you know, when we were starting this chat, it's like, you know, I don't have any notifications or alerts on because that's somebody else trying to interrupt the work that I'm doing. And while I'm here to serve my team. So here's another one is, if you look on my phone or my computer, my email is somewhat hard to get to, but my Slack is front and center. And internally, we only use Slack. So it's like forbidden to email internally. Um, and really, this uh, allows for me to prioritize the team over outsiders, we'll say. Um, morning routine is a big one. I think that's big for you, too. It's like, you know, getting getting off to a good start is really important, which really ultimately, I think, starts with the evening routine. Um, but being, you know, committed to that. Uh, no phones, keeping the phone out of the bedroom. These are all like simple things I think people have talked about a ton. Um, always learning. Like uh, there are times where I sort of have to take a time out on on learning, whether it's podcasts or Audible or, or listening to books. And, you know, I enjoy it, but you kind of need time to process it. And in fact, this year I've taken a bit of an approach in my reading goals is where's the, you know, I think there's 24 books on my my list, but six or seven of them are books I've already read and I want to sort of reinstitute that knowledge. Um, so not just like reading it to say I completed the task, but also being like, a, how do you take that to the next level? Uh, I have an assistant. If those who are on the fence about an assistant um, early on in my career, I, I realized it could uh, change my life in a major way, personally and professionally. Um, so she cl classifies a lot of things for me, uh, in an easy way to digest. Um, so don't be afraid of, of that being, uh, a considered essential part of, of leadership. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think it covered some good personal professional stuff. So yeah, love that. That was a great share. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I love even the, the prioritizing some of the uh, internal communication before going external, um, especially in the mm -hmm. manufacturing business. Uh, you know, I think that's yeah. extra <laughs> smart, um, and the book list, which, uh, which you got to add, uh, you got to add my book, grow 12 unconventional lessons for becoming an unstoppable entrepreneur, which I think should be dropping right around the time this episode drops. So, you know, if you have awesome. that, uh, awesome. You know, I have heard of it because I was I was uh, sending you. Uh, I like to text you just things that like because I know I get your sort of full attention and it's like I hope valuable. You know, I'm like, hey, you know, make sure that spine jumps off the shelf or like talking about your cover cover choices because I do think again the category you're entering in the book space is noisy and your knowledge and what you're offering, um, like packaging really shouldn't uh get lost in in the shuffle right so i love the look though if if you're going with the one that's on the header right now so yeah that's it it's going to uh, it's going to print actually this week some um or you know when recording this and uh, when everyone's listening to this uh, it'll be available and super excited about it um so I'll add, awesome. add it to your 25th on your on your reading list there uh i will yeah um, I'll, I'll bump it up the list. Yeah, bump up the list. Yeah, it's a good one. Like, uh, it'll help. It'll help you and many other entrepreneurs. Absolutely. Um, anything else that uh, that you want to share? Yeah, I think you know it's always um, always great to connect with you. I really appreciate you know as I alluded to before that uh, in a very trendy, noisy world right now, which is food CPG. There, there is a lot of advice and knowledge to gain by listening to people that have done it right and been there before. I know you had Ian Walker on. Uh, I love the guy. 
he's taught me so much too. I was just, we went for a walk when I was in Vancouver and, and just being in his presence, I think, you know, sort of gets you away from things like, uh, you know, comparison. I think that's a big one in our industry, people feeling like, you know, they got to do something that somebody else did or, um, capital raising is like a hot topic. You know, it's like lots of people getting to like super diluted positions super early on. And, and, um, I think at the end of the day for our industry and, and those around us, it's like, I said it earlier, but you can't grow a tree overnight and taking your time, being really thoughtful about your process, your culture, um, things you can put your head on your pillow at night and be proud of. Um, those are all things that I would, I would pass along to, to anyone in the early days. And, uh, it's always darkest before the dawn. So when you're going through the shit, like realize it gets real dark, um, but stay the course and, and be proud of what you're doing and, and uh, yeah, be open to receiving nuggets of wisdom, like things you share through this podcast and, and uh, in conversation. So yeah, it's great. Uh, great share. And uh, I do also uh, highly recommend Ian Walker's uh, episode for anyone's listening. If you haven't listened mm-hmm. to that, just go back in the, uh, go back in the episodes a bit. Um, yeah, before we end, I just want to give a shout out to our mass mentorship toolkit at fatafleischman.org. Uh, it's mm-hmm. a free resource for entrepreneurs. There are over a thousand tools and templates that Greg Fleischman and I use to grow and scale our businesses, like investor lists, forecasting templates, HR docs, and a lot more. You can check it out at fatafleischman.org, which there's a link in the show notes. Um, thanks so much, James. I, uh, I appreciate your time and your, and your share. Um, mm-hmm. Look forward to, uh, to hanging out with you real soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Uh, thanks for taking the time and appreciate all you do for the community. Thank you for listening to the Founder to Mentor podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Be sure to check out the links and resources in the show notes. You can help the show, please, by subscribing and leaving a positive review. As always, feel free to get in touch with me on social at Mike Fata. That's it for now. See you next time.